Welcome to the Two Watch Who podcast. I'm Mark. I'm Sarah. And I'm a Doctor Who fan. And I am new to Who. Yeah, you're watching for the very first time. Something like that. <laughs> Which we always say. <laughs> Not that new now. I mean, where are we at? Season two? In season two. Yeah, halfway through. Yeah. Are we? Almost, yeah. Pretty much. Mm, nearly. It feels like it. <laughs> That sums up this episode, it feels like. And um, so far, so good in season two as well, because we really enjoyed the Romans last time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so far, so good. That's literally how we ended this one. We watched <laughs> it together. Well, so far, so good. And then this one. Well, yeah, I did mention last time. <laughs> I just knew. I, I mean, I just knew it would be a struggle. <laughs> I think it has been the biggest challenge so far. <laughs> well, and today it's a very special episode because it's three Watch Who. I've brought in some fan backup to help me with this story. So, David, welcome. Hello. Nice to be here. Thank you. I'm here as a sort of saving grace, aren't I? I think a little <laughs> bit to sort of cheer you all on. As much as possible. I just knew talking about the web planet with Sarah would be really tough. So I need help. Yes, yeah. I can see where she's coming from. So you are a fan? Yes, I am. How long have you been a fan? I, I was a, I've been a fan since I was three. So that was in 1997. So yes, I'm, I'm only a tiny bit younger than you. But I, the very first Doctor Who story I watched um, was a Tom Baker story. And uh, yeah, I just came home from nursery one day. And my dad said, oh, I'll put you in front of the telly. And that was how it started. Aww. Started going to conventions when I was about five, and haven't stopped. And then the new series came back, and yeah, so yeah, so I've been a fan since I was three. And you've um, you've been to like lots of conventions. I mean, you've been to tons more than I have. Y- yes, yeah. Although we do have a laugh when we d- when we go to them. Um, but yeah, I've been to a lot. It's it's actually quite terrifying. But it's uh, yeah, I love it. It's it's. Th- one of the nicest places you can go because everyone is there together celebrating something that you love. Do you have lots of pictures? I do have a lot of pictures, a lot of signed pictures and a lot of pictures of me with people who played like a Monoptra or something or, you know, something, you know, people who were in like one episode. And I'm just like, you are to me a god. We've talked about this before, but I dated a guy who was in the 60, no, 50th. What, what would it have been, Mark? You tell me. 50th. Mark knows. <laughs> sums it up <laughs> mark knows episode um and i know loads of because it's in cardiff where we live and so and it was filmed in cardiff a lot of doctor who been used of so loads and loads of my friends were extras in it and stuff and they used to get letters all the time from fans being like can i have your signature for stuff and because he was in that episode he had loads of fans being like kind of and he's quite um in the big scene of the battle or something i don't know um yeah i know which one you mean yeah mark knows he's quite prominently i work in a theater and a couple of years ago we had a play with robert powell and he came i was on i was working selling tickets and he came over and he was sat with this woman i was going i know her face i know her face who is she and she was in the keys of mariners she (gasps) was the lady who was (laughs) 
who was the villain, you know, the one who's like, ha ha ha. And honest to God, it was like Paul McCartney had like walked, like it was like Elton John had walked in. I was so excited that the lady from the Keys of Marinus was in the building. And I literally, I, I just, I just, went, I went, were you in the Keys of Marinus? But I, I mean, honestly, I nearly died. And I'm like, this is ridiculous. This is just, it was, yeah, it was mental. Hang on. I can't believe you've never said that you've met someone from the Keys of Marinus before. <laughs> when we're recording this, so I've just listened to your latest episode, which is The Red of Terror. So I, I, I didn't know that the Keys of Marinus was so loved by Sarah until about a week ago. So Mark just used to send me pictures of him at these no idea who these people were. And I used to say that, I'd be like, who is this? And he'd be like, oh, they're from this. I thought, I don't know what you're talking about. I don't know who this person is. And the pictures, to begin with, were terrible. There's one picture in particular that we call (laughs) Squash Face Mark. (laughs) That was one of the first, yeah. Yeah, (laughs) it looks like Mark is literally, Mark's a very attractive man, but this picture is definitely not. It looks like someone has got his face and a thumb (laughs) and just like, (laughs) I mean, I've, I've had some awful experiences with my photo being taken, but can you just explain, because you've been there as well in, in that situation, in that process of having your photo taken, especially in like the larger sort of Comic-Con situations we went to a really nice small convention last year called utopia shout out to that and um i mean that was lovely because there's like 300 fans and you just sit there and you you know just get your face taken. but at, like the huge comic cons that we go to it is like i'm not joking it's like a conveyor belt you know to the point that they literally you have to stand on a mark go to the person they normally shake your hand if you've got time and it's it is like you're like a rabbit in the headlights because they literally go look and you're quite often you're just looking really blurry eyed and the poor actor who's there has been doing it for four and a half hours, so they don't really care particularly anymore. So it's, yeah, it can be a bit No, Mark's, like some of Mark's story. I remember you had like, you took leave, didn't you? So that you would be, do you remember you took like two or three days um, leave so that you could, <laughs> you know. What, to get a photo yeah, ready? So you would be photo ready. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that was before London Comic Con when I was going to meet Christopher Eccleston because I thought I'm never going to get the chance to get a photo with him ever again. This could be so you had the only time you had. So you had you had a haircut and you're like, I can't be stressed. I've got to make sure I sleep. I'm taking some leave before it, so I know that I'm not going to always try and take a day before leading up to a convention. Have sleep, be ready for the photos. There's a horrible picture of me at Comic Con a couple of years ago with Michael Gambon, and it's a it was in a really hot building. And I honestly, the sweat looks like I was on Singing in the Rain by Gene K. It's ridiculous. There's more Michael Gambon in a lovely suit, smiling his little heart out, and there's me that looks looks like I've like a melted trifle basically next to him, thinking what is what has happened in my life. <laughs> My favourite thing, though, so Mark then upstairs has, like, all these pictures of himself, all of him, though, frames and frames of Mark, like, he has them all out. But then he he said one that he was like, so he's perfected it now. He's got the pose. He's like, but he's like, I'm wearing the same stuff all the time. I've got the same face. I've got the same. He's like, I need to mix it up. I was like, Mark, you have spent so long faffing over this look. <laughs> you can't mix it up. Like, you've got, he's like, no, but maybe I should, like, 
I don't know, like move my arm. <laughs> what was it you said? I can't remember. But you had this whole, and also, but you will still send me these pictures and I go, Mark, don't know who they are. Don't have a clue. And you'll be like, one day. But now you're like, one day you will. And I'm like, but will I care? And also, before all this, before this, because we do another podcast, you used to try and get me to go with you. Do you remember? I, you know, I've been saying to Mark since I've started listening to these podcasts, I, I want Sarah to come to a convention. She's not going to know who any of these people are unless they're in the keys of Marinus. And I can t- I can probably suspect that you're going to be like the voice of reason, you know, queuing up to meet someone from, I'm trying to think, a story that you hated, but like, and then just being like, yeah, your story. Yeah. <laughs> I said... I'll go to a Cardiff one if I care about it because I'm not <laughs> I'm not traveling. I refuse to travel. <laughs> so basically so- whoever is booked for Cardiff Comic Con. Well, if um, William Russell does one. Oh yeah, definitely. Oh yeah. He is honestly the nicest man you could possibly meet. I was at a convention in Newcastle and William Russell was there. This was probably 2013 or so and you could do this thing where you could pay and have a coffee. It was like a small little room that you sat in. Um, and there's about 12 of you and you sat and had a coffee with one of the stars of Doctor Who. And I bought one with William Russell because I thought, oh, this is this is going to be amazing. Nobody else turned up. It was just me, William Russell and my mate. And it was it was in it was in this like hotel, I don't know, sort of conference room or something and he came and sat with us and we just had the nicest chat not about doctor who didn't talk i don't think we even mentioned i think we talked one thing about doctor who, but we were talking about his life and his career and he was telling me he was the first actor to play king near at the globe theater when it reopened talking about stage fright talking about like it was he's just, honestly he's an incredible guy and later on that day he was having pro- problems signing because you know he was in his 90s then signing away and you know people were complaining and I just felt, felt like saying he's 90 leave him alone like like I don't think anyone can <laughs> doubt my love of Ian we have an Ian Chesterton award because I love Ian I love Ian I also love old people so like it's like all in all all of this it ticks every box for me like, shall we uh start with the story <laughs> sorry we went totally off topic yeah. there we're just talking about but other no, things that is probably more no it is it's more interesting that entire thing than this episode so let's just start off with our initial thoughts on this story how we found watching it how shit this story was Barbara! Hey, speaking nothing's wrong back at the ship so sarah would you like to explain how you found watching this story um okay right my honest thoughts so we split this up so we all did so we did three episodes and then we did three so we split it up didn't we over two we all did didn't we so the first two i actually didn't hate like, I mean, they weren't like my favourites, but I didn't hate them. Um, I was a bit like, oh, okay. And I got to the end of the second one and I was like, oh, this could kind of conclude soon. And then I remembered there was another four and I was like, oh, okay. So that's that was the first sign for me that this wasn't, but I didn't like, I couldn't tell you what happened or what was going on. 
the, the, so the last three, me and Mark, like, watched together, as it were, over Zoom. So, like, we watched at the same time <laughs> and we just, like, unmute. And there was, there was a scene, I can't, I don't even know what episode anymore, like, because it all just sort of happened. But there was a scene, wasn't there, where, <laughs> you know what I'm going to say, where um, they were all talking and then they walked off and then one of them, the bumblebees, went, we must hurry. But it was a good, like, two seconds after everyone had walked off. That sums up this episode. Like, it was just dull, boring, slow, painful. Okay, right. I thought that might be the case. So, David, as a fan, what is your history with watching this story? Have you seen it a few times before? or I haven't seen this one in a long time. I I said I loved the first episode. I thought the first episode was very well shot. It was well acted. And then, yeah, there was just the things. I thought that there were some very, very good cliffhangers. I'm going to say that now. And there were some great ones that I can imagine as a kid in the 60s, you, you would be one of those sort of racing back next week to find out what happened. It's just, it was just very, I take my hat off to the actors, basically, because, I mean, you dressed as a butterfly for six weeks. And absolutely, I mean, the fact that one of them was Martin Jarvis, who for me was the voice of Huxley Pig. I mean, that's saying something. Like, I mean, he just, it was, and the Zabi, why didn't they speak? That's the same bleeping over and over. After about episode four, I was thinking, can they not just give them voices? And that was it. I, I, sorry, I was telling Mark, the smears were just weird. Because apparently they smeared the cameras with, I think it was, I think it was lube. I don't know what it was, but, it, <laughs> but, but in some, they did it in some shots and then they didn't in other shots. And it was really weird. I just thought it was just strange, really. But there we go. Well, that's the thing. So I think the general fan consensus of this story is this is the first story where it's just the regulars that the only human characters and for the 60s, they've tried to create this completely alien world. And I think people are like, well, they really tried with their budget to do something different, so that should be commended. But I just think if they couldn't do it, then don't bother doing it. Like when the when they were writing the story, I just think when the dude handed in the script with like ants and stuff, surely they should have said, we don't have the budget to create this. Oh my god, the legs on the ants. What did you call that Hoover thing? Well, it's like the thing from Teletubbies. What is it? Nunu. Nunu <laughs> 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 the Hoover, isn't it? I know they tried to create something alien, but it just didn't work. And it felt like this was from like the 30s or 40s rather than the 60s. Like, it just and didn't I work. As a, doc- as, as a Doctor Who fan... I- the Zabi are quite iconic. I was thinking this, like, in terms of people, you know, whenever there's an article about Dot 2 and they name monsters, Zabi are all, like, they're always listed. And, you know, whenever whenever you see on different things, like, whenever they bring action figures out, they always do Zabi, they always do, which is, I just think, strange, because they just look stupid. But for some reason, they're iconic, and I don't... But I think it's because it's it's known for its ambition, but it's also known to be quite bad and also we had planet of the giants where they've done 
they'd done the sort of ants thing, well, not as big, but that was good because you saw a glimpse of them. It was the model. And if they've only just managed to do it in Planet of the Giants, then how is it going to work again on a, on a larger scale? I didn't pay enough attention. Which one was the Zarbi? The ants are the... The ants. The ants are the Zarbi and the Monoptera are the butterfly people. And what was the other thing that appeared in like episode five? And I was like, what the fuck is this now? Um, oh, the things underground. The Optra. The... the Optra. Yeah, the oh, Optra. God, yeah. Then another one appeared and I was like, oh my God. Those more. were the ones for me out of the three that I just, I just, they were, ju- why were they jumping? Every, and I just, they, why is all I can say is just, just why? I feel sorry for the actors who played the Zabi because could you imagine getting that costume and going, you can't, you can't move your hands. You're going to be like basically bent over for the whole episode and you're not going to be able to see where you're going. There's a lot of scenes where it's Zabi versus Monoptera. So the, and it's these objects that can't speak or do much against each other. And it's the camera just sat on there, not doing anything. And you're like, what is supposed to be happening? It's very slow in that, in that respect. And the camera sort of doesn't know where it's going and they don't know where where they're supposed to be going. And you're like, well, what is actually supposed to be going on? Surely the designer would have said, right, we've got the alien planet. What design can we do that an actor can move and walk in that is alien, that can be a bit more dramatic? Let's design it and do it like that rather than insects that you can't make work. For me, I'm like, I feel sorry for the bumblebee thing. Because what that is, it's a gimp suit that they've gone, let's stick some furry thing around in different spaces. Like that is more, more, and then you're going to be on TV in it. The Zabi are all around us. If you break communicator silence, they will know where they may find us. If we do not contact our forces, they face destruction. That, at least the other thing, you covered up, no one's going to see your face. That thing is mortifying. And you just waft your arms. Or all they do is like weirdly waft their arms and they're like, oh. And they've really, there was that one in particular, that really annoying one that was like, oh, oh. Like she was proper annoying. And also, I said to you as well, they were just really slow. They were really like like butterfly and bumblebee. So I was like, they're not slow. They fucking move. Like they get in that flower and get out of there. They get in that, get in these things and get out of there. Ooh, ooh, why are we here? Ooh. That's their way of trying to be alien, doing the movement and the voices. But that's the thing. Alien yeah. to an audience that looks like a, a thing that a human recognizes. You can't say, look at this alien thing. It looks like an, it's an ant. It looks like an ant, but it's an alien because it looks like an ant. You can't like, if you, you can't, something that's alien is something that doesn't look like we know, like the Daleks. They are alien to us because we've never seen anything like it before. You can't say this is alien. It looks like an ant. You can't say that it's alien. It looks like a fucking bumblebee. It looks like a gimp suit with yellow fluff or whatever around it. Like you can't, you can't say these things because that's what it looks like. But that's why, I, that's for me, that's why I take my hat off to those actors because I'd like to think that they were like playing Hamlet in the West End or something and then they get that call. Would you like to play a butterfly 
in in Doctor Who, and they probably think, oh, you know, yeah, why not? And they probably look back on it and think, what the hell was that? But that, but like, watch for me watching them. I was more interested in their makeup because I thought their makeup looked very good. But I just, I know what you mean. They were just a bit sort of helpless and oh that's the thing you as well you can't distinguish them and what we've enjoyed so far is these extra side characters and guest stars that come in but these ones none of them had the personality i didn't care about any of them they all sounded the same they all acted the same there was the one that made friends with ian but i don't know which one that was i can't tell you they make and they make the scenes look exactly the same all the time and she clearly fancied ian didn't she? I mean, at the end, she was like, oh, do you want to stay with me? Imagine, you know, imagine that, Ian and and Monoptera babies, you know, what a, it's just... Ian's there, like, scratching the back of his head, like, oh, well, you never know, we do sometimes come back to places. I mean, it's like he's really awkward, like, mm, uh, maybe, maybe we'll return. <laughs> End of a really bad day. Well, maybe I'll call you back, yeah. Ooh, off we go. <laughs> I've not watched this one a lot, and I, I have tried. I didn't have it on video. Okay, so when I first got the DVD when it came out, I was at uni, and we were watching in my house, like, The Ring 2 or something. <laughs> <laughs> and halfway through, I was like, oh, let's go out and get KFC. So we paused the film, went out. On the way to KFC, we walked past the train station and decided, let's have a night out in London. So we went straight on the train, 40 minutes to London, was out the whole night, right? And we did that quite a bit, where you just go out and then you sleep on the bench and get the first train back. So we had breakfast at three in the morning somewhere. So I got back, had food poisoning, really bad for a whole week, was in bed for a week, was really sick, was like, had to be like, you know, I was sick in like this bag next to my bed all week. And that's when I thought, oh, I'll watch The Web Planet. <laughs> when I'm in bed, ill. That is such a mark thing. That is classic you being ill in bed for a week. I know. Such yeah. a mark thing. It was really bad this time. And I watched it, you know, and I was feeling very weak and uh with and with all like the blur and the bleeping, it just made me feel really nauseous. <laughs> and also the bag I was being sick in was purple. And the front of the DVD is purple as well. So I think I've associated it with that. So I never got through it then. And since then, I've never really got all the way through. I think I've watched like the first and second episode maybe, but then never really finished the story. Can I ask, was having food poisoning better than watching The Web Planet? Is that what you're trying to say? (laughs) Is that making yourself physically ill (laughs) is the only way you can sit through six episodes of The Web Planet? Is Is that what you're trying to say? Well, I couldn't move or do anything, so there was nothing else to do. <laughs> There's oh, nothing else God. to do, so I'm going to put on the web planet, and that will just make me even more ill. <laughs> okay, can I just say, I put out on Twitter that we were watching this, and I asked for any advice for anybody watching this for the first time. And we got a few comments. So, Unconventional Pilgrimage said, take big gaps between the episodes. It's not one to be binged. It wasn't designed to be. So, yeah. I went for a three-hour walk. And Liam Tear said, no more than two episodes at a time per day, if you can manage it. Three was hard. 
Keith Say said, be drunk. <laughs> Which, to be fair, I think I was by episode six. I had at least four gin and lemonades to get me through <laughs> to the final three. So it's not like we're the only people that have that. I think that is the general consensus of this story. I, I think this. I think the thing about this episode, and this might be controversial to say, and I think next time I go to a convention, I might have people come and run at me with Sharpie pens or something. But I feel like this story would work so much better on audio because... I feel like the visualize because the visuals are a bit rubbish. Thinking about it might make it slightly better, but it would still be really annoying having the bleeping of the Zabi every five seconds. Well, I'm just going to say you're the one who's got it on vinyl. <laughs> I'm the one with the vinyl. Can I just say I bought the vinyl simply because the artwork was really lovely. That's what it is. That's what's missing in this episode. There is a lot of just weird silence apart from the beeping. So. It was before some sort of battle, battley thing, and Barbara just runs. They're all like fighting, and Barbara just runs across the screen. It's all silent, and you've just got beep, 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 whatever it is, that annoying sound. And I just remember thinking, God, this would just be awful. Like, this would just be so annoying. I can't think of anything worse than lying here and just listening to the silence, but just that beeping and not just that and then and maybe hearing barbara runs across the screen like, <laughs> <laughs> just. but that's the weird thing isn't it because like when the zabi are fighting you hear all the things they're banging into bits of wood and stuff and their feet on the studio floor but so why didn't they put some music over the top but also why didn't they use different beeping? It just feels like they got one recording of a beep and go, right, come on, let's make this work for six episodes. And it's just the same beeping. And that's why I feel like they should have had a voice because quite often they're in a scene and they're going, there were just scenes in it where they were just, they were talking to each other and you're thinking, this would work so much better if they'd employed an actor to come in and do the voice. I think also this is a good time to say, whilst talking to the vinyl, I've got here, and listeners at home won't be able to see this, so I apologise. But the original annual, but you notice there are no Daleks on it. It's all Zabi, Monoptera, Sensorite, <laughs> and Avord. <laughs> and you would think that the Daleks, which are the were the most popular, you know, monsters of the time, would be on the front. No, they went for the Zabi, and they went. Or the monopoly because they thought, hey, that that's what the audience that's what children of nineteen sixty five want. At this point when this is on TV, like Doctor Who is at peak. Everybody's watching this. Maybe they're thinking like merchandise, let's let's get the Zabi out there. Oh, the which makes it even more it's not sort of well not upsetting, but like that it's such a bad story. Because this season has been so good and it's got better and better. And it just, okay, they tried something new, but... I would be interested to know that people who watched it then, to see if they were believable. But maybe then, yeah, it does appeal to the younger, younger, you know, like the Teletubbies style sort of thing. Let's go, let's talk about the actors. Let's talk about the actors. Let's move away from the shit characters. Okay, let's start with Ian then. Yeah. So, um, Ian spends a long time underground, and I don't understand why, because he is a god and should be close to the sun. 
is this the third or fourth potholing expedition he's been on <laughs> so far? He's always underground. Ah, it's like trying to cut your way through treacle. He should be up and there's not enough Ian time, in my opinion. Not enough Ian. None of them really have that great a story. They get split up and Ian is just left underground with these optras. And that's three episodes. He's just underground, not really doing very much. For me, the first episode was good. Like the, that, that whole thing with him and the Doctor was great and that was very watchable. The thing I didn't understand is he goes, where's Barbara? And then just gives up. He goes, he goes I'm, going, I'm going off to see if I can find Barbara. So he goes off to find Barbara. Then about five minutes later meets What's-A-Face, the, the, the Hest, whatever she's called. And Restin, I think. Restin. And then just completely forgets about Barbara the whole rest of the time. And like, and there was one scene in it where she kept calling him Heron. And I kept, about 10 minutes in, I was going, who's Heron? There is, there's, there's no character called Heron. What's she on about? Why is she calling him Heron? Yeah, I don't know when, like, maybe I just looked away for five seconds. But I don't know when him and Restin meet and make friends. I didn't see Ian meet meet them. No. Maybe I was just making a cup of tea or something at that point. But, <laughs> yeah. I think Ian's strongest bit is the Doctor and Ian exploring at the beginning. Yeah. yeah that is really good. I th- I think also the relationship between the Doctor and Ian in the first episode is, because they're two really good actors by this point, I, I feel like the chemistry between them is, is really good. But I do think that the production don't like him because in every single story at some point, he gets either things dropped on him or he has like, in epi- you know, in episode one where the web thing comes up. and I think, though, it's because he is the hero. I think because the Doctor is is so frail, they have to, it all has to go on Ian for those moments. And like, like he, they can't, like the Doctor, there was one episode a few weeks, like, where which one it was the Romans where the doctor had that big fight scene. That is the first time where I've really seen the doctor have anything active like that. It's always Ian. And Ian has to be that person. There is there's no other option really in terms of like the male. That's true. It's interesting with the Doctor and Ian, uh at the beginning when they're exploring the planet and there's sort of the science explanations, it's rare to see that pairing together. Because usually it would be the doctor explaining to Vicky or something like that, and Ian gets um, gets stinging nettles on his face, doesn't he? And he gets all blisters. <laughs> yeah. Oh. I think Ian is such a good character that it, it kind of he's so watchable as a character anyway. But I think with this particular story, it was just it was the script that let them all down. It's a shame because actually, even in a not so good story, Ian comes out as the hero because he's always got that that sort of strong thing to do. I think this is the first one where even Ian doesn't come out quite well because he just hasn't been given, apart from part one, anything else to do. I'd say the Doctor maybe leads, but even then it's so bland and blasé that, I don't know. Okay, well, let's go on to the Doctor, actually, because yeah. I think, again, uh, William Hartnell is loving it, you can tell and into part two. But as it progresses, I mean, right at the end, 
break time again, unconscious time. He needs to lie down. <laughs> he needs a bit of a nap. After getting so far. His, his acting is really strong throughout. Because because I've not, as a fan, I've not seen as many William Hartnell stories because I quite I find some of them quite dull. So I, if I do watch one, I always watch the same one. But I do think in this particular story, he is fantastic. Because he, he is more of a, of a hero than than in other stories when he's a bit more grumpy, a bit more crotchety. The thing that made me laugh the most was, and I think I can't remember what episode it was in, but you know the scene when he takes the Monoptra's bomb or something, and he's like, oh, I'll give it to me, it'll be fine, you know, blah, blah, blah. And then the Monoptra go, oh, I, I, I want to have your Zabi. And he goes, oh, I'll give you a ring, but you've got to give it back on the pain of death. He doesn't even get the bomb to the place. Like, he's complaining to them the whole time, going, you better have my ring, dear boy, otherwise, you know, I will blow up this plat. Well, he doesn't say it, but, you know, words to that effect. Going, oh, and then they get to the place and they go, oh, he hasn't done it. And I'm thinking, <laughs> thinking There's a lot of ring action in this, isn't there? He's always <laughs> on about his ring in this, isn't he? Oh, matron. <laughs> <laughs> Which never come up before, this ring. And then Vicky's like, what about your ring? And he's like, oh, I can't tell you. Same to Ian as well. This is something new for season two. I rec- I don't know whether, like, um, he's been sat down and been given, like, a telling off, like, you know, end of term report after season one. Look, you need to change your attitude because you've been a grumpy little boy and it's time that you grew up. Because season two, he is, like, transformed into this much nicer man. And he giggles a lot more. Ha-ha! Now then, there's something for us to show. Come along, come along, come along. I think the thing was with William Hartnell is I don't think he particularly wanted to do it because he was known as like a sort of serious actor. And I think I think by this point, because it was so successful, he was then now enjoying it. And I think... I've, I know that. Yeah. I know that much because my mum told me that. And I was like, Mark's going to tell you off, mum because I'm not supposed to yeah. know anything. She was like, oh, I think that's important. I was like, mum, I'm not supposed to know anything. Mark's going to tell you off. So I no. do know that. But I think, I think that shows really in this story that he's now embracing being the Doctor and that now Doctor Who is such a successful show at that time. I think in this as well, you can see that he's enjoying it. Yeah, okay, there's like the Zabi and all that, all that stuff. I think he, in his mind, is like, this is going to be amazing. This is going to be on the front of the annual. I'm going to be fighting them. All the kids are going to be watching this, enjoying it. Like I think he is seeing it in in the kids' imagination in this one, and all his chuckles and everything. He believes in this world so much more than anyone. I mean, there were scenes in it, particularly between him and Vicky, where those for me were the most engaging scenes because he was so like, you know, he was so into it and so. I mean, there were, you know, there were that scene where they they put the thing on the Zabi to make it control. I mean, that was a bit silly, but I mean, but he, but he totally went for it, and I think that's for me. William Hartnell was the saving grace of the Web Planet for me because he was he was so into it and so enjoying it, and much more, much more doctory than he was in the previous seasons. That in a way, I could, thanks to William Hartnell. I could get through the web planet. In terms of acting, he's very strong in this. Um, it's it's a, it's it's an episode that's been right for him in mind. Yeah, absolutely. To his strengths. Absolutely. Um, should we talk about Vicky? Vicky, yeah. Now, I I'm going to be honest. I don't remember much about Vicky before watching the Web Planet. I've met Maureen O'Brien a couple of times, and I and 
she's a lovely lady. She's very nice. But I don't remember much about Vicky. Apart from a few scenes, I really like her in this story. There's a scene in it when I think it's at the beginning of one of the episodes. I can't remember which one. When she she's much more productive. She's much more like, what can I do? How can we? Do? Whereas you know, Susan would just scream. But but Vicky <laughs> Vicky knows what to do. Like in the scene where they're taking over that Zabi, you know, she's 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 helpful. She knows what to do. And obviously, there are times when she's a bit girl, which you know, like a like a sort of screamy sort of... Well, she doesn't really even scream, but, you know, she's a bit more sort of frightened and stuff like that. But in most scenes, I think she's much more productive and much more like, how can I help? What can we do? I like the aspirin scene. That was... Do you remember oh, Yes, that? I forgot about that. <laughs> I liked that, though. I liked it because it reminds you, I think with... With Vicky, it you sometimes forget where she's from, and it. Rem- I was like, oh yeah, she's like she's human, but she's ahead of them, and it it I I remembered that, and it it kind of um I re- I enjoyed that. I wish I'd gone to your school. We had to take a, a certificate of education in medicine, physics, chemistry. Oh, wait a minute. How old were you? Well, I was ten when I took the ten. I like that she can look after herself. So there was a scene where. They're going to let the doctor and Ian go somewhere. And she's like, well, I'll stay and be the hostage. And Ian looks at her and she's like, I'm fine. I can cope with this. She is there on her own and she can do that and it's fine. And yeah, she's not scared of things as much. She's more, she's discovering things and she's interested in things and she wants to know how things work. Even in this, she's still enjoying the adventure. And it's so much, make and it makes it so much easier to like her as a character. You're probably going to know this better than I do, but in am I right in the rescue? She's the only one left, isn't she? Or is she? Yeah, only one left of her. See, see I'm, I'm the Doctor Who fan, and Sarah knows more about it than I do. Um, <laughs> it's nice that the Doctor cares about her more. That's probably why Ian and Barbara, in a way, don't because they're the Doctor. Like, kind of, I think probably like identifies with her a little bit, and so sort of takes her under her wing. Yeah, she's just a lot more independent and it's nice. And she has, I think the independence comes from her being alone for so long. Yeah, absolutely. Well, just the only other thing with um, Vicky, she names that Zabi, doesn't she? I love that. Zombo the Zabi. What? I, okay. All right. You do what you do. You. <laughs> <laughs> you do you. It's a nice bit of her character because she said Sandy, the Sand Beast, and you know, wherever she goes, she like names the animals and stuff. Who's Sandy? Oh, that was in the rescue. Oh. And Mark got really sad about it. Oh, okay. Because oh. um, Barbara shoots Sandy. I need to re- I need to watch the rescue then, don't I? Yeah, it's not that emotional, but it was for Mark. Literally, you meet this thing for like five minutes. But... Well, there's only one person left to talk about, and that's Barbara. Well, in this one, all Barbara does is shine that thing and it and it all dies and that's it. But I said to you, I went, what just happened here? Because she like she comes in with it. It's like, I don't know even what's happening with the whole life. I don't know what was going on there. And then she shines it. She's like, it doesn't work. And he's like, that whole thing's like, yes, you're all here. Yeah. And she's like, it doesn't work. And then suddenly it works and it dies. <laughs> I'm speechless. I'm just speechless, really. That is what happened <laughs> at the beginning, right in the very the very first episode, her first scene. She comes up with a wine glass, and I just thought, same hun. 
I literally thought same hand. This is literally me <laughs> trying to get <laughs> trying to get through the web planet. I literally I said to I messaged him straight away. I went and I sent you a pet screenshot and went, Barbara's taken to drinking. And she holds it. She's there with it. And she's still got it all the way up to like I literally all the way through I think it's same, same, absolute same. That's the um that's her Roman goblet from the Romans. She's taken. Having not seen the Romans for a long time, how the hell does the Roman bracelet make her go towards the Zabi or the Monoptra or whatever? I mean, uh, how? I mean, come on, Sarah, explain this. So it took us ages, but it seems to be that gold is their thing. So that's why the whole necklace thing, because it's gold. And it was gold. It was a gold bracelet. So she was like being... Oh, the gold pen as well. But that took like four episodes to find out. Barbara collects bracelets from history. So she's got the Aztecs one, and this is the one that Nero gave her because he was tracing around, carry-on style in the Romans, and then gave her a gold bracelet. She loves an antique bracelet. And and no Barbara for episode three. Yes. So this is our first holiday in season two. We started tracking holidays for some reason. I didn't even so, spot that. I didn't even <laughs> spot it. Barbara had episode three off. It seems like they're only having one week instead of two this series. So holiday watch from now on. I only noticed that. I only noticed that because at the end of... Was it episode three? Yeah, it was episode three. She was. I noticed at the end of episode three she wasn't listed and I was going, hang on a minute. And then, really, yeah, she's not there. She obviously went to Barbados. Apparently Jacqueline Hill complained that she wasn't credited. I suppose it would be in the should be in the contract in the series that they're always credited. I didn't notice so when she came back if she had a tan or not. <laughs> well, it's only one week, so she gets know. go to Barbados. I like the fact she she complained about the credit and not the script. <laughs> of all the things to complain about, I didn't get a credit on episode three. Have you read the script? Barbara, for me, in this was just a bit. Nah. She doesn't really do anything that exciting. So. In the beginning, she does some great arm acting. I mean, that is really good to sort of mime, mime that with that bracelet. They do that. You know, they do that at Rada now. They do the the uh, yeah. arm acting. It's then, an hour thing, apparently. And then she has a break, has a holiday. And in episode five and six, she's the one that's sort of drawing out battle plans, working it all out. The best idea is still that we create a mock attack here in the south in order to draw off the Zabi. Then while this is happening, one of us tries to get into the centre from the north. I, the thing is, I don't, I don't blame the actress. That's like that's the thing for me. I do not blame Jacqueline Hill in any way, shape, or form. She's a great actress. I just think Barbara is just such a part. It's just, I just, I know she was obviously coordinating the whole monoptra of that, but it just wasn't. It wasn't exciting. It wasn't. I 100% agree with you, and there's a reason why I always say this about Barbara and not the actress. No. Like, it's not against the actress. It is always against Barbara. It's always against Barbara specifically. Because you're right, she's so blurred in this. And it's not, like, but it's almost like she's not even really that for, it is, like, there's the one where, there's a scene, there's one where she's, like, pinned up against the thing and she kind of even looks herself like she doesn't want to be pinned up against the thing. Like, I don't know. That's the cliffhanger. And then the next episode, she just walks away. 
You know, imagine waiting a whole week to find out, oh, Barbara's trapped against the Monoptera and the Zabi, and then they start the next episode, and she just goes, oh, fuck, bye. (laughs) Okay, I feel like I need to defend Barbara here. So number one, okay, an alien force has taken over her arm. Two, she's a slave in the Crater of Needles for a little while. She's mining. I mean, that's, that's a very strong term, mining. But she doesn't give up. She rallies the troops, gets their war effort together. She doesn't come off so bad. So the atmosphere thing, right? They talk about the atmosphere and how she's struggling with the atmosphere. Ian is further down in the atmosphere. He's no trouble. Ian is underground. He's fine. He's getting on with it. He's like diggling through some treacle at one point. He does take the pills, though. Don't Remember, earlier on, he's like, take the pills. This will make you feel better. And oh, I missed that. Yeah, no, the doctor gives him some pills and goes, take take this young boy. Like, this is this is what you need. And he said, he said, when you find Barbara, give them to Barbara. And then he never does because he never finds Barbara. Who wrote this story? Bill Strutton. Okay, so what's he done before? This is his first one. Oh, okay. I think and only one, I think. Fingers crossed. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. So is this the worst so far? Mm, No. I think it's still edge Mm. of destruction for me. Um, but it, I mean, it's it's pretty close. But at least stuff happened. Maybe there's sort of like one per season that's going to be bad. Yeah, this is the worst of this season by far. I mean, like because this season I've enjoyed everything. This is the worst this season, but it's not the worst of like Edge of Destruction is just awful. <laughs> so a spring mark, a spring. It was a fucking spring. So. Yeah, but yeah, at least at least like we met some like interesting costumes here. I wonder if the Edge of Destruction beds will return. That's what I'm. That's what I'm waiting Maybe for. Maybe that's a sign of what an episode will be if you see those beds. Exactly. If you see that's... the beds, you might you know that you're in for a bumpy ride. Maybe. <laughs> Literally, because they're quite bumpy. Maybe that's it. Yeah, I'm surprised to see the beds. I didn't know they turned up again. I was like, wow. Those beds. <laughs> I just love the shape of them. That's for me. That was, you know, why would you do a sort of hump? I like sleep, a camel hump I'm a front bed? sleeper. I'd be. I mean, it's not comfy. I'd sleep on my front. I can't like. I can't sleep like that. Maybe, maybe that's why Barbara went to the drink. Maybe that's Pass what out, it is. For the best. It's just interesting that they never they didn't appear at the end. The end is not of them. It's it. The end is of the Monoptera. Oh. It's not like a TARDIS. The ending is the longest four minutes of my life. <laughs> I, like it went on and on. Like because again, we were watching it together, and Mark and Mark was about ten seconds ahead of me. So Mark was like, oh, "I've got four minutes." I was like, "Okay," and it just went on and on. I was like, four minutes." It's Honestly. Like- I thought they were going to have a musical theatre number at the end because they all just appeared. And I thought, that you know, they were going to do high kicks and, you know. Yeah, because, like, the Animus is, like, defeated very early on in that episode. And then they say goodbye and then it just goes and builds up and just goes on and on. So then it says, next episode, The Lion. The Lion. So, Sarah, what are your predictions? Not knowing what's coming up next. I don't know. Part of me thought historical, but I'm, I don't think historical. Because historical always makes me think 
of like a point in history. So I don't think it's historical, but um, like I, in my head, I think like Keys of Marinus style, um, like eerie thing. I don't know. I, I don't think it's future, but I don't think it's past. So I don't know where that leaves me. Do you, I don't know how to explain it other than that. I won't give too much away, but all I will say is, just to prepare you, okay, <laughs> oh, there's four start. episodes next. Okay. Two are missing. Okay. Oh, is it audio? We'll do some reconstruction with pictures. <sighs> Sorry. That's so hard. I'm just warning you now, just so okay. you know. Okay. Have we got any audio ones in this season? What do you mean? Like just audio. No, there's always pictures. Oh, I meant like with no pictures. It might not be the best, but there will always be pictures. <laughs> okay. There's always pictures. That's the good thing about missing episodes. There's always <laughs> something. <laughs> Okay, I'll try not to laugh and miss what's happening. Well, thank you very much for listening and thank you, David, for joining us, our first guest. It's been an absolute pleasure. I've had such <laughs> such a laugh. And if you want me back at any point, I'm here. I've, you know, saving grace to get you through. You can come back on some of the more difficult ones. Thank you for joining us. No, thank you. It's been a pleasure. And where can people find you on Twitter. Oh, thank you. Thank you for that. Uh, yes, I have joined Twitter. So my uh, I, my handle is Mrs. Remington Fan, um, which I will say now for any Doctor Who fans, they'll know who that is. Otherwise, you're not a fan. Um, Sarah has her yet to look forward to, but she, yes, Mrs. Remington Fan is my handle. So please follow because it would be lovely to, to have you all on cool. there. And you can find us at 2WatchWho on Twitter and Instagram, and also on YouTube as well, to watch who. And we will see you next time. Bye. Bye. To watch who. Hey, Doctor Who, what are you talking about?